It's Wednesday, September 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argusinger, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, and Motley Fool Hidden Gems in Australia, Joe Mager, once again. Hey, oh. Hey. It's all Joe all week, basically. We're just going to. Woohoo! We're just, I don't know what else you have planned during your time here in the Fool HQ. It's but, a lot of meals. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't feel bad about putting you to work on the podcast. Um, we're going to talk FedEx, Adobe Systems. We're going to talk Grand Theft Auto, which is out on the market now. We will dip into the full mailbag. Uh, speaking of which, let me start with a, a uh, not really a programming note, but more an apology. And that is, radio at fool.com is broken. I don't know how an email address breaks, but apparently it's been broken for a little while and our techies are working on it. But uh, big thanks to Longtime listener Jonathan Sanders, who pointed this out to me last night on Twitter, so really appreciate that. So, are we not paying our bills? I mean, is that you know what? That's entirely We're in possible. Sad shape. If we can't afford our email <laughs> bill. Uh, just uh, before we get to the stocks, Maddie, we were chatting about this briefly. We are taping this in the late morning. The Federal Reserve is wrapping up day two of the two-day meeting at two o'clock. We're expecting an announcement followed by a press conference from the bearded wonder himself, (laughs) Ben Bernanke. (laughs) A lot of people are expecting an official announcement on tapering maybe $10 billion less. So instead of the quantitative easing program of buying $85 billion worth of bonds, it's only $75 billion. Right. Whoa. I know. Whoa. I I know. Like, hold the presses. I mean, this is this is kind of the, the nauseating part about it. I mean, I was watching the news this morning, and it's it's just amazing how there's just so much concern. All right, is it going to be ten? Is it going to be fifteen? Is it going to be more than fifteen? Right. Oh, if it's more than fifteen, I'm oh hold. You know, the market's going to get cra- You know, going to crush. And it's just, I, I it's just amazing that we're we're hanging on these numbers and, and sort of the nuances behind this when it's it's really it's not going to have that much of an effect. Yeah, Joe, I don't know if you saw, but Lloyd Blankfein from Goldman Sachs, your boy. boy, your boy, Lloyd Blankfein, saying pretty much what Matt was saying, which is, hey, if it's $10 billion, that's fine, but it's f- if it's 15 that's uh, going to be a problem. Yeah, well, Lloyd's a smart guy, so I'll give him a little bit of the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. <laughs> I mean, I think, in a, I think it is valuable to think about the backing off of QE in a very high-level strategic standpoint with your portfolio and what that means. And what it ultimately means is the Fed is going to be comfortable with rates rising. And I do think that investors need to be cognizant of that within their own portfolios. So if you own a lot of long-dated bonds, you're probably going to get a hit really hard if you haven't already. Uh, so that's where a lot of you know REITs, MLPs, that kind of thing. So it's something to be mindful of. And, and you do need to be ready for that. And to be frank, you probably shouldn't own a lot of them. Let's move on to stocks. Shares of FedEx hitting a seven-year high this morning. First quarter profits up 6.5%. This seemed to surprise some people, Matt. And for those people who have been out there saying the global economy is turning, particularly in Europe, did they just get another bullet for their case here? That's, that's not a that's a terrible analogy I just made. But you know what I mean? Did they yeah, just yeah. – this seems another like a – stamp for their package. Yeah, this seems <laughs> – like a validator for people who are making a bullish case for the global economy. Well, it's yes. I mean, but it, even FedEx has come out and said though that they're expecting kind of tepid growth. I think somewhere in the two percent range for the U.S., two point five percent for the global economy. You know, and but what FedEx did say, which was which is strong, which they did say that they're going to be raising rates next year, which 
you know, that tells me that they at least have some confidence in the economy that consumers are in, and businesses are going to be able to pay higher rates for, for shipping. So, yeah, overall, it's a strong report. I mean, you know, FedEx is, is going to grow sales at around, you know, around GDP, around global GDP, and probably a little better on the profit side, but that's, that's what you're getting. If you're UPS and you hear FedEx talking about raising rates, are you popping champagne quietly behind closed doors because this essentially gives you permission to raise rates? Well, they both raise rates pretty much like clockwork every year. And there's a question of, you know, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to go the other guy? Well, he raised rates too. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a concentrated market. I mean, this is an okay quarter for FedEx. You know, like U.S. volume was up 1%, but abroad it was 4%, so that's nice. Nothing to write home about. Um, it, it's a wonderful business. I do think even though the shares are a seven-year high, there's still a big show-me component to this business. Uh, margins are much worse than they are UPS, and there's way too much overhead. So you're not interested in this stock? No, I'm interested. I do think that they have failed to execute <laughs> on the cost side for a long time now, and they said that it's going to be around till 2015 to a lot of the restructuring costs wash through. You know, that's a long ways off. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more of that, but I would not be surprised as, as these guys gain scale because there's so much overhead and they're able to wring out costs. Wouldn't shock me if this was a huge winner over the next few years. Adobe Systems is hitting a new all-time high, despite the fact the third quarter profits fell 59%. Adobe rising on the news that they are unveiling a new cloud product. And as they were saying on CNBC this morning, it's all about the cloud. Yeah. Is it really all about the cloud? Kind of. I hate the jargony buzzwords. And like we were talking about this before the show, it's kind of obnoxious. But in this case, it is really important for Adobe and it's important for Microsoft. And a lot of businesses that used to get by on the model of selling a one-off license or product are trying to shift more towards a membership model, which is smart for a lot of reasons. And just to give an example, so at Full HQ, my computer runs runs, uh, Word 2003. And the thing is, there's not really much of a need to to upgrade, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure the new version of Word does the exact same thing as the old version. Yeah, but between what you just said and the fact that we have an email address that's broken, I think people are getting... We are really not paying our bills. I mean, I got to go... People are getting a a pathetic view of how we run our business. We're flying high. We're flying high. Um, But seriously, though, I mean, part of the problem, and this is what's also hurting Apple, right? is that product quality improves, which extends their replacement cycle. So there just really isn't as much of a need to refresh these products at the corporate level or the consumer level. So people just aren't doing it. And that's that's lengthening out, and that's really hurting profits at these companies. And so shifting towards membership, where instead you're charging less instead for like an overall license, but a smaller bit every year, is a much better relationship for these companies than... Yeah, I mean this is this is definitely for for software service companies like Adobe. This is this is certainly the wave of the future. It's it's been a long time coming. The idea that, you know, I'll pay 10 or 20 dollars a month for a given number of months versus 2 or 300 dollars at one point in time for a perpetual use of the software. Right. Um, and that's I think that's that's important that Adobe's made that transition. It seems like they've made it pretty well. They've had a 47% jump in the number of subscribers to their cloud offerings. And so you know, that's that's certainly the way of the future. It also lets the it lets the company have a little more consistency in the revenue. I mean, Adobe was always or has been a company like a Microsoft, which every three or four years would sort of update its big creative product suite 
and that was kind of like, all right, you know, three or four years from now, we're going to have a big jump in revenue, and that'll be great. But now it's kind of like, well, we can we can have a smoother business, we can manage our costs better with a, with a sort of perpetual or term <clears throat> excuse me term license model. So it's yeah, a, it's a good move. Yeah, and there are wins for the customer on this too. So instead of just getting the one off product, like. Word 2003. That <laughs> is the same. Uh, you do actually get new updates with the product as it goes along and it evolves. So as a user, that that is a big plus. Does You're paying it, more for it. Does Adobe Systems have a primary competitor? And if so, who is it? Well, there are no, a number of different spaces. I think it'd be hard to draw a straight line uh, to, to a yeah. direct competitor. I think, you know, on the Photoshop side, there are definitely now, compared to 10 years ago, a lot of online offerings, many of which that are free, uh, that aren't as good as a Photoshop by any means. So if you're a professional, you need a Photoshop. But for everyday people, there's a lot of great tools out there that are very cost-effective and competitive. A couple of programming notes. First, uh, the Motley Fool One service is reopening this month, and you can get a free behind-the-scenes look at the service simply by going to mf1.fool.com. Let me say that again. mf1, M-F-O-N-E, dot fool.com. You can sign up with your email address, and you'll get access to a whole bunch of things, including the Video Vault. This is Tom Gardner, our CEO, sitting down with the likes of Jim Sinegal at Costco, John Mackey at Whole Foods, Monty Moran at Chipotle. By the way, I, as a relatively new shareholder of Chipotle, impressed. I was highly impressed, and I feel even better about owning shares of Chipotle because Monty Moran is one impressive guy, the way he talks about his business, the way he thinks about his business. Uh, but anyway, check it out, mf1.fool.com. It's free and uh, a lot of great content. And we're pretty there. sure the site that site works. And any that site email works. Address I double we got the domain name. Okay. I double-checked okay. that one. Paid our bills on there. Unlike radio.fool.com. <laughs> uh, fortunately, you can hit us up on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our handle. And a uh, decent amount of reaction to the kangaroo prosciutto that mm. we- uh, I can still taste it. That we sampled yesterday uh, from one of our listeners, Patrick, who writes, listening to a group of people eat kangaroo meat is somehow less obnoxious than hearing EBITDA said out loud. That's good, because I was worried that it was going to sound pretty horrible. <laughs> um, and from Tatiana Kildesheva in Singapore, apologies if I just mispronounced your name, uh, she writes on Twitter, in the UK, arugula is called rocket as well. Mm. Aussies just follow the trend. Now oh, that whatever. I, I, sh- I should say, that is what threw me off about the packaging because it isn't spelled like rocket, R-O-C-K-E-T. Yeah. It, it looks like roquette. Um, I also got an email to my direct account from longtime listener Mark, uh, Marco Olivieri uh, in Chicago, <laughs> who took me to task by saying, you forgot what rocket greens are? We discussed this almost two years ago. I'm distraught. Get with and, the program. And he pulled up an email, which uh, a couple of years ago when we were talking about burgers, I'm sure you remember this, Joe. We went through a phase where we just started getting all these emails about great burger places yeah. around the, the world and uh, across America. And he had emailed, uh, Marco was one of the people who emailed about a, a place in Toronto called Earl's which I will be checking out, I, I think, because I'm going up to Toronto in a couple of weeks for an event. More details to come on that. Mm. We'll save that. Mm. That's a little teaser. Uh, let's wrap up with... Can I just say, I think arugula is underrated. It's got a nice peppery thing going on. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I just, I'm one of those people who believes that, particularly when it comes to pizza, 
pizza's fine the way it is. Meatball pizza, that's fine. It doesn't need improvement. There are things, there are quote-unquote innovations out there that people are claiming that are improving pizza that really aren't improvements. So having figs on on my pizza, that's not... I actually (laughs) think the rocket fig prosciutto combination on pizza is delicious. All right. Well, you and I are going to have words when this is all over. Uh, Let's wrap up with Take-Two Interactive, the parent company, uh, the people behind Grand Theft Auto, uh, which hit the stores, Maddie, when? Monday at midnight? Monday at midnight. Monday at midnight. This is like the, the, I don't know, a Harry Potter movie opening or something like that, like a blockbuster film. It is. All kidding aside, though, this is... This is one of those franchises that stacks up with Harry Potter, with oh. Star Wars, etc. This is no, no doubt. This is, I mean, this is already the will be the biggest video game release of the year. But it's it's going to be in the, I would say, top five or top ten of biggest entertainment release for the year. I mean, they said apparently they did four hundred million in sales in the first twenty four hours. Likely to do over a billion wow. by the time the quarter is out. Uh, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. It's essentially Take Two's Interactives, who owns Rockstar Games. This is their biggest franchise. Usually it comes out a new one comes out every three to four years. This one's actually been five years since uh, since Grand Theft Auto Four came out. So big anticipation for this. Um, it's uh, the reviews have been outstanding. Um, it's it's I I've played the Grand Theft Auto games in the past. Uh, so yeah, and by all accounts, this is successful. Really, I will say though that the budget for this thing two hundred and sixty million, or I'd say north of two hundred and sixty million. Which I mean that rivals. The most expensive films ever right. made. That's, That's getting pretty Ishtari right there. <laughs> yeah, we talk about John Carter losing money for Disney because it cost $250 million or whatever it cost and only brought in, I guess, 125 or something like that. Right. But but sounds mm. like at least for all the money Grand Theft Auto, this latest version costs, it's oh, yeah. going to be profitable. They're going to bring in, two. yeah, they'll bring in well over a billion. So right. does it... Take-Two Interactive is not a company I follow closely. Obviously, this is a great franchise for them. But if they're only cranking this out every three, four, five years, does that make Take-Two Interactive in some ways a cyclical stock? Very much so. That's always the problem with Uh, Take-Two. And they have a few other franchises. They have the Bioshock franchise, which is also very, very popular. But yes, with Take-Two, and you can almost, you know, I'm not a trader, but you can almost trade this every three or four years because the stock always rises in the year leading up to a Grand Theft Auto release. I mean, if you look at Take-Two, it's, it's had a, nor- a monstrous year. I think it's up 60 or 70% year to date, the stock. But again, it's always one of those things where uh, you know the release comes out and it's almost like a sell after the news and you, you can almost expect Grand Theft Auto to underperform um, after this is out. I will say this, though. The interesting thing that's happening with games like this, with Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, some of the bigger games, they're becoming more like platforms. So Grand Theft Auto, which is you know a very single game, single player focused game, now you know like Call of Duty, like some of the other games, you're going to be seeing a lot of digital content come out afterwards. In a few months, there'll be expansion packs that you can buy, new maps, new ga- new guns, new cars to hijack. Um, so it. <laughs> So you know they're saying that you know uh, Take Two is going to make as much as two hundred and fifty million dollars more beyond this just initial release with all the digital content they're going to sell, and that that's highly profitable for them. And so it's it's it'll it's going to last for a while for sure. We will end there. Matt Argusinger, Joe Maker, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Ann Henry helping us out behind the glass today. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) 